0: Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Amira Glazer, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. She teaches in the Union Square and area of Manhattan and Park Slope area of Brooklyn. Uh, She is currently, uh, she's been an Alexander teacher for a number of years, and she's currently also pursuing her interest in traditional Chinese medicine, getting a degree in that. Uh, But earlier on, she had uh, an extensive background in performing arts. She began acting at eight years old. She studied movement, theater, production, and voice, and a great many of her students are performers. And we're going to talk today about how the alexander technique can be useful for performers amira welcome to the show
1: thanks so much robert thanks for having me again
0: well it's it's a pleasure to have you on the program and uh we we uh, did an earlier show which is going to be a podcast soon about traditional chinese medicine but today i thought it would be nice to talk about performers i think it's uh, uh, I, well, actually, could you begin by giving our, our listeners a short uh, description of the Alexander technique?
1: Sure. Um, the One of the things that, one of the ways that F.M. Alexander himself described the Alexander technique was um, as the study of human reaction, mm-hmm. and when we're looking at our... Our, what we're looking at in the Alexander Technique is our mental, physical, emotional habits and what those are, how those come out when we have, when we're confronted with a stimulus in our life. So the technique is really this process that teaches us how to get into that moment between whatever the stimulus is and our habitual reaction to it so that we can actually have a choice about how we want to respond. And that really points us right towards present-moment awareness, which, of course, is something that performers really talk about a lot, how to be present, how to have stage presence, um, how to be able to be in the moment.
0: Yeah, I I was just going to say, I I would think for performers um, dealing with uh, uh, there are all kinds of ways they could react to things that would not be good. I mean, they they could have stage fright, for example, they were a singer or an actor uh they could there could be unexpected things that would happen and they're going to need to respond quickly and efficiently uh to those developments right um, yeah, absolutely um, some if you're I, I I'm not a performer myself other than occasional um country and western singing but <laughs> I would funny. think that um a uh, for example a dancer in a show if someone doesn't do quite the right thing they're going to have to deal with that on the spot efficiently um so yeah when I, you, yeah go ahead
1: you you do when you're when you're performing you really just have that split second or that moment um if something goes wrong or even if something goes right but if something goes wrong you just have a a, a moment to to respond to choose your response and one of the things i think is really interesting about the alexander technique is that by studying it we really enable ourselves to be more spontaneous um and and sometimes students when they begin studying the technique think they have to think all of these things i have to think of letting my neck be free and my head move up and my width and my length and my breath and and it doesn't it doesn't immediately, they don't immediately see, oh, this is going to help my spontaneity. But because we're such habitual creatures and we get so accustomed to being um, really responding unconsciously, that when we begin to break that down and, and look at what our habits are and how those responses are already conditioned, um, mm-hmm. we're really not acting spontaneously at all. We're acting in a pre-programmed kind of way. And... Through studying the technique in my experience and for many of my students, all of a sudden there's this richness of being in the moment and being able to not be be driven by your maybe habitual reaction to a scary moment or an intimidating moment which could happen on or off stage but but being able to f- just find this openness that that having f- having this experience of freeing your neck over and over again it just happens and you you know see the see the way through much more easily than you would have anticipated you could do because you're really in the moment.
0: Mm. I wonder if you could relate that um because I mean well usually when people talk about the Alexander technique uh its sort of its best known benefits are helping people who have uh, stress related conditions and helping performers uh do their work more efficiently Generally, um, there's not as much emphasis, I think, on what you've just been talking about. And I wonder if you could say a bit about how how the technique actually accomplishes what you just described as being able to react more quickly and efficiently.
1: Well, being able to be in the moment in the moment yeah Yeah, instead of in a pre-programmed moment Mm -hmm. so in the Alexander Technique we're looking at um, well like I said in 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 my my current definition of the technique we're looking at stimuli and how we react to it so stimuli can be anything I mean it can be the phone ringing um, it can be for, for a performer, it can be an audition. Um, it could be a high note in an aria. It can be something that we have you know anything that we might have a reaction to. And in the Alexander technique, the and, and F M Alexander did in, le, in in a typical lesson, we're doing a lot of getting in and to and out of a chair. And my little logo even has a little chair in it. And and mm-hmm. people always say, well, what what's what's this chair about? Why why the chair? And I think that I think that Alexander used the chair as a as a metaphor for life in a certain sense. That we all get in and out of a chair, many of us hundreds of times a day, without thinking about it. It's something we do unconsciously. And as you know, people tend to do all sorts of things to sort of pull themselves um, out of alignment or use lex- you know extra effort to get themselves out to get themselves back into the chair. And when people suffer chronic pain or or even acute pain, they become aware that they're using a lot of effort to get into this chair or out of this chair. But many of us um go through our lives without even thinking about that. So it becomes a great place in an Alexander lesson to start to examine what we do unconsciously and what we do um habitually without without thinking about it.
0: Right. Well when, just to take that example, if I could elaborate on it a yeah. little bit. So people who are in pain, as you say Uh, they realize that it's quite quite a task, for example, to stand up or sit down. But what they probably don't realize is why it's such a task. In other words, what are they doing that is creating all these barriers to efficient movement? And I guess you could also say barriers to ability to respond to the stimulus to stand up or to sit down efficiently right? and I guess what you're saying is it's certainly true a lot of Alexander Technique lessons involve um, what's called chair work and people standing up sitting down or just working with someone sitting in the chair and I think the idea is that uh, in, in terms of the stimulus issue that you've been talking about is that that stimulus so let's say you're sitting in a chair and the phone rings across the room and uh, your mind is on that phone and answering it and you just want to get to the phone where you can pick it up and talk and what the Alexander Technique can help you do is be aware of the process you use to get yourself onto your feet, and that may seem far removed from the um, the demands of being on stage or whatever, but actually, um, the skill you earn in in one of those things can carry over to the other. Would you Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely, and I think that I think that is exactly what Alexander had in mind when he started getting people out of a chair and putting them back in it, or helping them to look at that process, because for him, he was a performer, right? Mm-hmm. Alexander was a, an, an actor. He loved, he loved to perform, and the, the, common, the common theater at that time was um, long um, resuscitations, so he would mm-hmm. recite for, for long periods of time. He loved Shakespeare, and he started losing his voice. And it was because he, because he loved this career and because he was um, starting to be quite successful at it that, it, that he wasn't willing to, to stop there. He didn't want to just stop because he was losing his voice. Just like someone doesn't always just want to stop because they're in pain and just not do anything anymore. They want to learn what am I doing to, to, um, to cause this and is there any way I can, I can stop that. And so for Alexander, like you used the example of the stimulus of the phone ringing, um, for Alexander, his stimulus was that he wanted to speak. Um, And for performers, right, they wanna sing, they wanna speak, they wanna communicate. And it was a very strong stimulus for him. And I think the stronger the stimulus sometimes, the harder it can be to pause for a moment, to to get in that head space where we can really have a choice about our response and so um the the process that alexander went through to figure out how he could speak again without losing his voice that is essentially what we call the alexander technique now i think um is you know we take that and we put it in in chair work or in table work or in walking or reaching or bending simple things that we we tend to do a lot of in an alexander lesson and the stimulus is, is lower it's habitual it's there so you know we we don't think about it we know how we get out of a chair but it's a good place to start to look at how can we break those habits because at that moment we're not on stage we're not in front of you know a casting director or we're not doing the thing that we're most passionate about and so it's a great way to start to get into those moments and break down some of those habits to find what our habitual interference is with our natural easy use so that we can then apply that to everything that we do and for performers that's their performance um right. often right
0: right and and i mean it could in terms of what goes on during an alexander lesson it could be other simple activities like walking or climbing stairs or something like that i think the point is that you're you're helping someone um recognize those uh patterns that come into play really quickly when confronted with um, uh, a stimulus to, say, walk across the room or chop vegetables or whatever in, in fairly uh, non-threatening, non-tricky uh, situations, everyday activities. And then uh, once they've learned how to do that a bit, then it becomes a lot easier to work with them while they're actually singing or dancing or right. or whatever. And I think another thing that maybe is worth mentioning, you mentioned Alexander's own uh, self-discovery uh, process, which, as you say, is, is really what the Alexander Technique is. One of his discoveries early on was that the patterns that got in the way of his voice, the, the constrictive patterns, let's say, that got in the way would actually actually preceded the the uh, his actual speaking in other words he would have an idea that i'm going to say something and immediately that pattern would come into play so he had to be really proactive in dealing with that he couldn't wait until right. until the first sound came out of his mouth to right to intervene usefully, he had to uh, kind of be a little bit ahead of the curve
1: right i mean it 's an important point because it is that it's that it's it 's really being in the moment it 's that split it 's that split second um, where what we 've already thought that we 're going to do, our body knows how to do it, and so when it knows how to do it in a way that is not advantageous or even harmful to us. That's what we're interested in changing in the Alexander Technique so that in that split second, before the sound comes out of your mouth or before you pick up the, the bow of the violin, you, you have, um, you have a different, different possibilities that await you. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, you can, yeah. that you can really choose. I like to talk about the Alexander Technique as giving you a choice. So if you, if you want, if you really choose to, you can always use the habit. Um, and this actually does come up a lot sometimes particularly with um with singers and some other musicians that I've worked with of of being so tied to what they know the result they know they can get in their habitual way mm-hmm. that they get very scared at first mm-hmm. to to learn a different way. And you know, I always reassure them, like the habit's there. You know, if you decide you want the habit, <laughs> it's really about it's really about having choice.
0: Having choice, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it I think we'd be remiss in, in talking about the Alexander technique and performers. Not to mention a related but somewhat different uh, aspect of how the technique can help in terms of repetitive strain, injury and that sort of thing, which musicians certainly are, are quite prone to. Where just the simple, even if they're totally uh, comfortable being uh, playing in public and so on, but di- performing that same ba- same basic movements many many times a day, and if they're not doing those movements well, uh, you can get all kinds of problems: stiff necks, stiff shoulders, and so on, for violinists and similar. Uh, similar patterns for other musicians. I mean, that's, that is probably the area or one of the areas that the technique is maybe even better known for.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's so useful for all types of musicians, um, with injuries and, and dancers also, um, that, that they're the habitual way of using themselves or because of the repetition of movement, it really starts to wear down, wear on them and can lead to, you know, can lead to all sorts of pain and injury. Um, and so by, re, by thinking of yourself as an instrument as well as the instrument that you're playing and relearning to play the instrument of yourself, mm-hmm. um, you can really change that, change that dynamic. And and they're a lot like Alexander. Again, they really want to do what they're doing. And so for him, it was the challenge of, okay, if I don't want to stop what I'm doing, how do I change it? So that I can that I can continue in a more easeful, mm-hmm. more productive manner.
0: They they want to do what they're doing, and often they're working in an extremely competitive environment. Absolutely, because yeah. there are a lot of other people who want to do what they're doing <laughs> right. too, That's and right. so the 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 demands in, in a way, uh, performers. Um, I don't know quite how to put this. They seem it seems to me that. Th- their issues are really kind of like everyone's issues but magnified many times i mean re- ordinary folks like like me you know um have some of the ha- people just living a regular life have those sorts of issues too but with performers everything is a little a little more hyper i would say
1: it's like the stakes are higher. The stakes right? are higher. The yeah.
0: demands are higher. The actual amount of physical work is often higher. The hours right. are longer. The judgment is more, um, uh, the judgment is sharper and um, and um, kind of directly impacts on your on your career, I would say, more more dramatically. Your and your yeah, ability yeah. to do it. So everything's just taken up another level. And I mean everything that you and I have talked about so far of course applies to anybody. Doesn't you don't have we're all, in a sense, performers of some sort as we go through life, but when but performers of the kind we're talking about uh, they just have a lot more demands, a lot more to deal with in that well, in those areas. I would yeah, say. If,
1: yeah, I think that's really true, and I, it also it ties back to what you said at the very beginning, which is, you know, that that for a lot of performers at all levels in their career, um, things like stage fright or audition fright, you mm-hmm. know, can be can be quite a big challenge. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think because the Alexander technique. Also, you know, through this study and everything we've been talking about, but the Alexander technique is so um, helpful in calming the nervous system and being able to um, to not get taken up physically and therefore emotionally, mentally, in in sort of almost these sort of out of body experiences we have mm-hmm. when we experience stress or panic. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be incredibly grounding for, prefer- for, performers. And I, I, work a lot with, um, with the art of breathing work that, that Jessica Wolf, um, I think mm-hmm. has talked about on, on your show, right? right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I work a lot with that, with, with, um, performers and, and did, um, s- s- some of that work, um, the, that Carl Stow was doing when I was performing in, in college too, to really, help myself and now help my students to, to use the breath itself to calm the nervous system down, to prepare, to kind of clear the field, to be in that present moment, um, which if we, if we can allow ourselves that calmness, um, in sort of the center of the storm, Mm -hmm. um, we can be more spontaneous and we can often find that there's, there's, not, there's not so much fear in that moment, in the moment we're in. It's more about what might happen or what did happen. Um, and, and that can be very effective and a very effective tool for, for performers as well uh, in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, is there anything that we have not covered that you would like to mention before we come to an end?
1: I think I think we did a good job of covering a lot of important aspects. Uh, anyway, do, yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm
0: kind of tempted to add a, a thought of my own here, uh, if that's okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, I did an interview some time ago with a woman in L.A. who is an actress, uh, who uh, does kind of commercial short commercial spots. I think, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently the audition process is you come in and you have to make your impression within about 30 seconds (laughs) and uh, so you really have to be on your game in the moment uh, ready to go and she one of the things that she said was most dramatic about her uh, after having Alexander lessons is that she just felt much more at ease and she was basically a lot more successful in getting those parts as you That's have right. i mean you know yeah. to 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 repeat an offsided phrase you in in that field and i think probably to a certain extent in many performing areas you just don't get a second chance to make a first impression right and and in this this case she described the audition process and it was just amazing like
1: yeah.
0: everything just hinges on a few seconds
1: and and being yeah having that chance to be To to know that you're in the moment and um, on your game uh, and on your game, yeah. Yeah. I think I think it reminds me actually of one other thing I was thinking about um, when I was thinking about talking to you uh, this evening. But is is for for actors in particular, they talk a lot about having knowing what your neutral is, you know, Mm -hmm. so that you can put on a a character in thirty seconds or for an entire evening. And how when, when, we're, when we're ruled by our habits, we don't, we don't always have a true neutral. You know, you'll hear criticism of actors that you can always tell it's such and such actor playing the part. Right. Um, and, and so by, by helping to strip away all those um, conditioned habits, um, we can help people to just really take on whatever they, they want to take on, again, spontaneously, you know, beyond their game. And again, with the breath, it's really um, amazing to watch people, um, performers, who can, can take away, strip away the interference um, of, their, of their habits mm. And then when they're on their breath, it's like whatever that emotion is that they've studied, that they know in their character, if they're on their breath, it just flows out of them. It's that it's that natural inspiration that just feeds. And then you see that, and that's what we want to see, you know, when we go to a performance or when we're performers. So it's really, really beautiful, too, to mm-hmm. watch. And, and <laughs> yeah. of
0: course, you can get the same thing in a lot of other fields that maybe aren't called performance fields, say teaching for example, or and public speaking. Public speaking. But just, you know, we are we do we are performers in our lives. Well maybe this is a good place to to end the conversation. Um my guest today has been Amira Glazer, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City. And if what we've been talking about intrigues you and you live anywhere in the New York area, um, we'll put a link to Amira's uh, website by the interview. And if you uh, live anywhere else in the world and want to explore the technique a little more or find a teacher in your area, we'll put a link to another website that will allow you to do that. Amira, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun speaking with you.